1: Betches Media Presents.
0: Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You
1: want
2: to hang out with us? and get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to human resources.
0: There's some things I just can't tell you
3: uh,
0: on air. The Betches Sub Podcast.
2: A woman's problem, if you will.
3: Hello, I'm Amanda Duverman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. Rizzie's fan needs the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in US news and politics. Breaking news this Wednesday morning is that Paxitani Phil has seen his shadow, and we will have six more weeks of winter. <laughs> womp Very sad.
4: I mean, but not as sad as the original draft of the sub newsletter today, where I multiple times said six more months of winter, which would be
3: horrible. <laughs> that would be really rough. That would be really
4: rough. That's
1: that's only after another twenty years of climate change, you guys.
4: We, we got we got we got
3: time <laughs>
4: <laughs> when we go full Game of Thrones and the seasons last for like many many
3: years. <laughs> do you guys like these sort of like time markers? Like I do like like. There's always this account that'll tweet. You know, this is the last time that the sun will set. After like five or before five PM for six more months, I feel like I I have like appreciated those those more, and I think that's why this I was really I really had high hopes for Phil, and um, I'm bummed out. I mean most of it most of most of the the lower forty eight. If you look outside your window, there's snow. I believe.
4: I feel like he always predicts it's going to be six more weeks of winter.
3: That's true. He's definitely being influenced by the the winter wear lobby or something.
4: Yeah. Who's who is funding Punxsutawney Phil? Which or for know. whom?
3: You know, maybe <laughs> that's what happened to the New Jersey groundhog. The New it, Jersey groundhog. I don't know if you know. Tragically, there is another groundhog in New Jersey who makes his appearance the same day, and they usually sort of, you know, they sort of like fact-check each other. His name was Mel. He died like the day before. He died the day before. Rough. Under I don't know I'm gonna I I'm am going to guess mysterious circumstances maybe he just wasn't gonna go along with Big Winter. Well, uh, that's
4: again who's funding Phil? <laughs> Where was Phil when Mel was found dead? I have all of these questions. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was in New Jersey. I yeah. mean,
4: a lot of stuff goes down in New Jersey.
3: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I know New Jersey loves that stereotype. And
4: New Jersey. A lot of shadiness occurs between those two states.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think somebody should look into this. True crime documentary this time next year, Groundhog's Day. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of speaking of occasions, let's get right into our news today. The beginning of Black History Month had a pretty dark start yesterday, but a lot of these a lot of these threats preceded Black History Month. There were bomb threats yesterday at more than a dozen historically black colleges and university, much more than a dozen, I believe 19 yesterday, but at Howard University, it was their third and 30 days. Eight others had threats on the same day in mid-January, and 19 were forced to sweep or close their campuses yesterday. There's been really heavy police presence on these campuses, and students have been under shelter-in-place orders. A lot of these bomb threats, like, they haven't been cleared until well into the night, and like, these are still college students who are... Probably getting barely any sleep anyway and having to, it's February, having to leave their dorms in the middle of the night, night like repeatedly over the weeks. The FBI says it's working with law enforcement partners to address potential threats and that so far bombs haven't been found. There was someone in the Washington Post today quoted, I'm not sure, it was just sort of like a general law enforcement expert who called this a nuisance crime. And that obviously is, it's obviously more than a a nuisance crime crime here i mean this is like uh, it's it's terrorism in a sense
1: yeah it's literally terrorism literally terrorism in the literal yeah, sense it, it is literal terrorism
4: i mean i guess <laughs> it's also a nuisance but like it seems like really really underplaying like in that being like murdered is also a nuisance
3: right it's like oh remember <laughs> september 11th where you couldn't go out downtown for a while it's yeah, like well no that wasn't the main thing <laughs>
4: Yeah, like there is a nuisance level involved, but it's not the fundamental focus of what's going on
3: here. And maybe that's like a law enforcement categorization, but they should probably change it and not throw it around to <laughs> <Yeah>. national media.
4: <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds really bad uh, to say and kind of from a PR perspective. Uh, but it's really interesting to me. I was thinking about this as I was writing about this in the up that like we're having this huge debate over like how white kids are made to feel in their classroom or a faux debate is being created about how white kids are being made to feel in their classroom and then we actually have black students being targeted on their campuses which is very interesting to see
1: i think it's it's just one of those things that kind of feels a lot like gaslighting I want to pull the word back to its roots, which is this notion of like you recognize that something has changed. Because that's what the real thing is. The point of gaslighting is that something really has happened. Something really has changed. You have noticed the change and you are being made to feel as if it has always been this way. That flickering light that you see, it's not flickering. Why do you keep imagining that it's flickering? It's not, what are, It's been this way for weeks. You're the one who doesn't understand what's happening. Your sense of reality is wrong. There's a long history in this country. It's very deliberate. It's constant. And it's uninterrupted. And it's really important for people to understand it's uninterrupted. Of targeting and assassinating Black people, um, wherever it is assumed that we are doing things for our own liberation. Studying and working towards our own education and knowledge. That's, that's where we shop, where we pray so many, so many church bombings. You guys, all of these are, are to undermine us and to tell us, like the, the gaslight, no, your perception of reality is wrong. That's not terrorism. It's a nuisance crime.
3: Right. And Elise, you were talking about, you know, whose comfort in the classroom or when they're being educated is important. And this comes amid really charged conversations about race and education. And important to note out as – note as you did, Caitlin, that these are charged conversations. They're being charged by white people. Like when you say racially charged, like it's white people that are doing that. I saw a tweet that's so obvious yesterday, but like it sort of just really struck me. And it said like black history – like slavery isn't black history. It's, it's, it's white history. It's your history. And for some reason, and I guess that's exactly what people are reacting to here. So new rules are limiting how teachers can teach Black History Month, 14 states have passed laws that restrict how race can be discussed in schools, and some of them limit how much Black history can be told. So for instance, like theoretically with these, here's an example, like you could teach that Malcolm X was important. He was an important black figure, but you would not be allowed to teach the actual content of his speeches. You could say that Jackie Robinson was an iconic, one of the first black players, but you can't explain why. You can't explain. I guess kids are just supposed to assume that no no black men were good at baseball until Jackie Robinson. I guess is what you're supposed to assume. And South Dakota Governor Christy Noem, she also recently introduced a bill to prohibit colleges and schools from teaching certain lessons on racial atrocities. And in the South Dakota context, that is definitely focused on not teaching about what happened to a lot of indigenous communities who need a lot of resources there that the government refuses to provide. And of course, many state legislators are looking to specifically ban critical race theory, while lawmakers in Mississippi and Florida, they're looking at bills that would ban history lessons that specifically make students feel uncomfortable. So they're all like varying degrees of specificity of how they can be enforced, but obviously very, very chilling stuff.
4: Well, yeah, it's really, really scary to see. I mean... All of what we're talking about is like uh, higher education. I mean, it's education in general being under attack, but it, there's also something really because, as we've said many times, critical race theory is an advanced academic right. principle that is taught at the college. Right, like level. go ahead, ban it from middle school. Go for it. <laughs> but to ban it from college is actually really scary. Mm-hmm. Like for yeah. like like college students absolutely should be in able to engage in critical race theory in their classrooms. And I mean, elementary school students should also be able to talk about race as it relates to stories they're learning about in their history and other Mm -hmm. lessons. But there's something that's also really scary to say, like, no, not even college kids can learn about this. Mm -hmm. It's like the restricted section at Hogwarts or some shit. Like, you can't even, like, you can't even have this knowledge.
1: Yeah, what's the point of keeping around knowledge that you can't access, you know? And I think that's kind of like the the point here, which is to, to give kids a fact and then separate it from the context of what was actually happening. Um, and I, I might have written like a thousand word essay about this yesterday. Um, maybe. <laughs> I, I might have done that. <laughs> but basically... You know, I didn't have a choice growing up as to whether or not to learn things that were very uncomfortable. I don't know who thinks it is comfortable to watch people like you get hit with fire hoses for marching peacefully to have the rights that are enshrined in the Constitution of the United States because it's been a century and they're not going to let you vote. I just don't understand why anyone thinks it's a comfortable, wonderful experience for black children to have. It is not. It's very traumatic. But we do it anyway because we have to know this stuff because that's, we, well, that's our history. That we have to fight for these things. And white people don't want us to remember who it is that we fought against. Like, y'all, if you just if you really are in this experiment for us to all get along and for it to all work out, you have to actually acknowledge that there was a whole bunch of people who made a choice based on their race to hurt and oppress other people. If you leave that out, I, I mean, you can do a lot with that story. It just would feel like some sort of crazy history bad lips, which I think is what they're trying to get kids to do it well
4: it is interesting to me to like imagine i can't imagine how that's even implemented in the classroom and obviously like there are age appropriate ways to talk about difficult subjects at different levels but can you imagine like a high school student trying to get more context about something so kid who's like 18 years old and the teacher can't like answer their questions that's ridiculous
3: Right. It's like the last thing we need is more like – more. this is sort of unrelated, but more things pushing people out of education. I mean, people that are still teachers are holding on literally out of the goodness of their heart. And <laughs> so the fact literally. that we're also going – purely the goodness of their heart and for the kids. And the fact that we're going to tell them you can't answer questions with facts when their job is like – they're educators. They're like I don't know why – I'm thinking of this in the context of like there's been a, a strong reaction from teachers to like schools need to stay open because there's nothing else for kids to do. And teachers have been like, sure, absolutely, but like we were trained to teach them things. This is a social problem that they don't have anywhere to go. So it's just – it's not like these kids go somewhere for a day and we just – all that happens is that their teachers can't talk about race. It's like, no, you're telling these people who were educated in a profession not to like follow through on what they were – on what they were trained to do. It's a lot of these laws are sort of like about to be passed. They're introduced and enforcement is sort of unclear. But we also know that like the images of people being attacked on their way to school board images are very evocative in a very dark way. And yeah, dark stuff.
4: Yeah. Our schools have been the forefront of uh,
3: our racial
4: divide for a really, really long time. And like, We've fought over schools in various ways and in different forms. And I think, you know,
1: that's why Brown was a landmark case. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm
4: about to say. Like, even without people banning critical race theory, we haven't really been taught. Like, I feel like the way that I was taught in school. And again, this is like public school in Virginia. But it was like Brown happened and then the schools were integrated. And you never learn about like. The busing scenarios or how much was fought, how much it was fought against or all the like nefarious ways states tried to avoid integrating the schools. It was literally just like Brown happened and the schools were integrated. And that's without laws telling my teacher that she couldn't tell us the
1: truth. (laughs) Exactly. That was just her choice. (laughs) Massive resistance. And I want to toss that word out there. I know it's gonna be contextless. You really should go Google it if you are listening and you want to find out more. But massive resistance was an actual coordinated government level response to the integration order. You know, uh, there's this apocryphal story uh, about, you know, the Supreme Court ruling on behalf of native tribes in uh, the southeast. Um, against Andrew Jackson's plans to, like, I don't know, continue fucking up all of their shit. And then Jackson was like, well, the court has made its ruling. Let them enforce it. Right. And basically he was like, y'all can't do shit. And in the spirit of that, white people across the South were like, y'all said we had to integrate. Now you come down here and enforce it. Mm -hmm. They basically dismantled school systems. So every time I hear people saying, oh my gosh, the kids, where are they? They've lost this time in education. I was like, y'all closed schools for like three. Do you know that Prince <laughs> George's County didn't have schools for five years? Five years. That's there insane. There were no schools. In pg you is- so- right? oh, you're so right. <laughs>
3: I mean, it's so not hard at all to imagine some of these parents saying, okay, if you keep this book in school, we're going to pull our kids out for, for weeks. And these are the same parents who said, my kid has to go back maskless. You're so right. It's crazy.
1: There's a kind of madness to it where you're just kind of like – it. it's because it's Black History Month, I, I'm going to take my opportunities to point out like – this is just this is exactly we've just been we're studying the exact thing that you guys are now redoing it's It's kind of like it it does feel like a a groundhog's day situation (laughs) for black people in this country beautiful (laughs) well done well done
3: Really wild scoops about January 6th and how Trump planned to seize power involved creating a legal national security basis to seize voting machines. The document his advisors circulated among themselves was called Presidential Findings to Preserve, Collect, and Analyze National Security Information Regarding the 2020 General Election. But what it did was use baseless claims that there was foreign election interference to justify the actions. Apparently, they went as far as to draft executive orders on this. His advisors drafted two different versions of an executive order to seize voting machines, and one was directed at defense, and the other was directed at the Department of Homeland Security. So we're talking about... An operation for the military, directing an operation for the military or federal agents to seize voting equipment for political purposes.
4: Whew. Whew. It is so crazy how much <laughs> worse January 6th could have been.
3: That makes it's my heartbeat so really crazy. fast. Like all of that stuff was so bad, and it could be worse. This was December 18th. The January 6th committee says it has evidence of all of this, and they want to find out Trump's specific involvement. Like they're being—they're just working through so many things, and they. They're like, we need to know exactly who was pushing and pulling here. The Times, the New York Times reported earlier this week that he, Trump, was more directly involved than previously known. Specifically, sources say that Trump told Giuliani to call the heads of those agencies to see if there was a legal way to take the voting machines. I guess both Ken Cuccinelli and Bill Barr said no. It's also... <laughs> That's a crime. Like, I literally walk around in fear that I might see a crime and accidentally not report it. And it's like, these guys are just like, nah, sorry, bro, we can't do that. What? And then you just moved on with your life?
4: <laughs> it's also Ugh. very funny to be like, Donald Trump was more involved in the plan to overturn <laughs> an election and install himself than we had previously <laughs> thought. It's like, no, I've am always kind of felt that he was involved <laughs> where there's smoke there's fire on that one y'all I right think he right was involved. when we
3: previously had no like written evidence that his hands <laughs> yeah. were attached that's what it, that's no, what it I, takes
4: it's just oh. so funny because like i read all these articles to get ready for the newsletter and that is how they're always like that's yeah. like kind of the framing it's like <laughs> evidence that donald trump had a hand in the
3: coup, and I'm like, well, wow, we finally. I think got they him. also do that to make their reporting seem more newsworthy Ooh, than of it course. is, and it's and it's effective. But that's that's very funny. It's like, oh wow, shocker! Trump wanted to keep himself <laughs> yeah. there, and just a bit more background color on how this idea of seizing the voting machines even like got to Trump. Michael Flynn and a few others, including the former CEO of Overstock, basically <laughs> snuck into the White House by getting a junior staffer to let them in. They got clo- They were just like bumbling about until they got close enough to the West Wing for Trump to see them and invite them to chat. Like, oh, hey, hey Mike. They introduced their plan to I declare martial I'm law. I'm sorry,
4: I just want to say, I love that it really is just physically close enough to the West Wing. Like, we literally, no. like, if they just <laughs> had to physically kind of be there and Trump would be like... What are these guys? Come have dinner with me. I'm the president. I'll oh, listen oh, you to have what a plan you have to, to say. Declare
3: martial law. They literally were just like, all you have to do is sign here, have the military take over the election. I mean, this is the stuff that when this starts to happen in other countries, people are like, oh, no, should we be worried? And it's like, yeah, but it was it's happening. They were inspired by this other guy. Retired Colonel Phil Waldron, who claimed to have found irregularities and and evidence of fraud – I guess just like on his own, a dude found fraud – and came up with a plan for the federal government to seize voting machines. That's also the guy who sent around the PowerPoint to lawmakers with extreme plans to overturn the election that Meadows turned over. This is a guy, retired colonel, but now he just like owns a distillery in Austin. All this shit really just starts with some dude. (laughs) And then we have executive orders drafted to seize voting machines. Something that I
4: love, a detail that I read is that the, the the executive orders that the January 6th committee has are taped together because Trump, like, rips...
3: Oh, those are... Oh, I didn't realize those were part of the ripped documents. That's even better. He
4: ripped up... Yeah, he ripped them up, just, like, physically ripped them up, which is so funny. Like, we can't get this... Like, he didn't even shred them, number one. <laughs> like... I said this on my Instagram, but, like, this man ba- barely has object permanent. He's like, i just rip them. No one will find them if I rip them. And then like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? They have them taped back together.
3: Oh, yeah. People would, like, have to, like, go into every room he was in and go into the trash cans and put them back together. Politico reported in 2018 that sometimes the pieces were as small as confetti. <laughs> but they had to be reassembled for the presidential record. So maybe
4: act. he did shred. Maybe I'm giving him maybe, not enough
3: credit. Maybe he did shred. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't even think he would bother. I think he would like rip them up and then leave them for somebody else to even shred. Yeah. Even shred. But this is what's. I just can't believe. I continue to be surprised that he did this while he was still president and our Senate, the Republicans, they had a chance. If he had been convicted in his impeachment trial, he never could have run again, right? They chose not to. They must feel because
4: they want him to. Run I would and they feel want him like a win. big.
3: I would feel like a big idiot, Susan Lisa. Well, no, they both. Susan and
1: Lisa did they both vote to convict? Yeah, they voted. Excuse to convict. me, I'm they sorry about that. They that didn't Susan have and Lisa the votes, yeah. Okay. So they, there were people who were like able to follow their conscience because they knew that everyone else that they work with was a complete shitheel. Mm-hmm. So they were like, "Oh, cool, yeah, the people the who, they're going to protect us from being responsible for anything." Yeah, awesome. We'll we'll vote to convict then. If they've been deciding votes, none of those people would have would have flipped because they're all. I hate to say this, terrible people. They had. <laughs> obviously listen to this shit they're letting these like criminals it's just crazy to me because like I've been this way for a long time so every time I see like a new thing happen it's kind of like once you put a lens on you just can't take it off like I was like Donald Trump's a criminal and I felt this like back in 2015 he's like he commits actual crimes like isn't he under uh, isn't he being sued for fraud which by the way is a crime yeah he, he did pay out for because he was guilty Like that, that was the thing. That was a verdict. He was guilty of defrauding people and had to pay them back. And that is just, that just, whether or not that's that's a a conviction or criminal conviction, he's a criminal. He's been a criminal. And now he's just doing crimes. He he was just like, I'm just going to take the presidency. I'll just do this crime. And he just do it like out in the open. I mean, now he's saying at
4: his new rallies, which he's, like, begun doing rallies again, but his new thing is, like, he's gonna pardon all the January 6th people and that if, um, any of these investigations into him in New York and then there's another one into him, he's got two really big ones going on at the state level right now, but he basically said at his rally, like, you guys should raise hell if they start convicting me and so, and, like, yeah. He even said, like, you should go to Washington, D.C. It's like y- he literally has no problem starting more January 6th. And now he's fully ready to say, like, I will pardon you if you do violence in my name and elect me again. I will pardon you.
3: And these things, I mean, we talk about this a lot, but thinking about being involved in an executive order to, like, undo the will of the people, that's, for political reasons, that's illegal, right? Should that's, be. That violates some for some crime, or that has to fall over Should under be. something.
1: It, I, I feel pretty confident. Fairly certain. Big, big loophole, if, if not. If literally, if Hillary Clinton had suggested that people <laughs> <laughs> attack election officials, uh, representatives, whoever, <laughs> and to protest in her name, there we would have burnt the country would be a giant bowl of ash at this point. If like, Barack
4: Obama had been like <laughs> we have evidence oh, Russia is interfering in our election, so I have to seize voting machines.
1: Well never they had him running like Jade Helm shit and he was like complete milk toast. Yeah. That man was like, I'm fighting like to quit smoking like his most <laughs> public <laughs> vice was like, I'm fighting with cigarettes. Like, that's as far as he went. That was, like, his (laughs) most, like, intense moment. (laughs) Okay? Like, he does not have the energy of someone who's going to, like, run a military coup. (laughs) But they were convinced. And, And now we have someone who ran an actual, who's trying, like, an actual military coup. And we're just all like, I don't know. That happens sometimes. You just have to shrug and move on.
3: Ugh. well we'll be back tomorrow until the end of democracy i'm amanda duberman
4: i'm elise morales
3: and i'm caitlin Bird. and this is the betches up podcast bye
1: the betches up podcast is produced by amanda duberman jorge morales pico and sean kilby editing by jorge morales pico social media by amanda duberman be sure to follow at betches underscore sup on instagram twitter and tiktok and send us your emails to suppod at betches.com
0: Batches.